podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Hello everyone, this is Naishat Gadani from Your Career Down Under and good evening, good afternoon or good morning, wherever you are listening this, you know, amazingly live from. My name is Naishat Gadani and you see Caroline and me popping up on your LinkedIn screen or Facebook screen for that matter, every day 3pm Melbourne time and you would wonder, what's wrong with us? Well, there's nothing wrong with us. You know, but what we are trying to do is to provide, you know, we know that, you know, some of the numbers that I, I saw yesterday coming out from Australia is absolutely mind-numbing. You know, I saw that, um, you know, 1.6 million people's income has been affected since the COVID started. That's a mind-boggling number. And what we are trying to do is to provide you a hope and optimism at this time in the trying circumstances. We don't say that we have got all the answers, uh, but collectively we are bringing, you know, wisdom of experts and perspective of different people from different background and trying to make sense of it for you. So, so that's what we, we do and uh, we pop up on your screen 3 p.m. Uh, and it's 10.30 a.m. India. I'm still in India and I'll keep you posted on once the restrictions are lifted uh, and international flights resume as well. So without, uh, you know, wasting a lot of your time, I'll, you know, hand it over to Caroline, my co-conspirator. She's in Melbourne and having an amazing day today. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> Thanks, Nishad. Great to be here. It's really great to be here again. Um, it's actually a cold and miserable Melbourne day, but anyway, that's the way it rolls. So no doubt tomorrow will be better. Um, today we've got Pavi, uh, Pavi Ayer, who's a talent acquisition specialist and has had a long history and experience in that. And we thought we'd get you, Pavi, on the show because um, we, we're presenting um, different experts, as Nish says, but you've got the um, expertise in the talent acquisition, developing strategies around talent across a broad range of industries. So um, we get a lot of questions around what happens to my resume and about ATS systems and can I ring people and can I connect with people? So we thought we'd put you under the under the spotlight to to ask you a few questions around that. But one of the things that caught our eye about you was that you're involved in the Jobs for Australia initiative. Mm -hmm. So I wonder maybe if you can give people a background about yourself, but then you know talk us around um, what all that's about because it sounds fant a fantastic thing to to be a part of, particularly at, at this time. So yeah, if you'd like to tell people. Bit of a history about yourself and sure. um, what you're um, so, Yeah, just in terms of myself. So I initially started out in HR, um, sort of fell in love with recruitment and talent acquisition, and that's where my career grew to in the last probably eight, ten years or so. Um, so I've, you know, that's something that I felt very, 
very passionate about in terms of candidate experience. Obviously, being on the other end of the, the um, board myself, I've been in that position where I've been a candidate. I've been applying to companies, you know, not hearing back from them. So all of the, the sore points that everybody does bring up all the time, you know, I've experienced myself. So my mm -hmm. mission has always been to work on the other side to make things better for a company and to, you know, from a company standpoint to make mm -hmm. talent acquisition the best it can be. Um, so that's the, the career sort of pathway I've set for myself. Um, and in terms of um, Jobs for Australia, so that's an initiative that a group of us that were all sort of, you know, found ourselves jobless or unemployed, um, same as other people um, in this, you know, in this time. Um, we all sort of came together, banded together, and, um, you know, there's been a few core people who started it up. So um, Andrea Kirby and Rich from Smart Recruiters, they sort of lent their ATS to, to us as well. So we've started an initiative of um, trying to help as many job seekers that are out there by empowering them. We give them, you know, coaching advice on CVs. A lot of the questions we get are around, you know, how can I improve my CV? How can I improve my LinkedIn um, profiles, you know, interview skills and things like that. So um, the main initiative is to basically try and get in touch with as many people that have been negatively affected by COVID and, yeah. you know, that have found themselves unemployed this time um, and that just need help or assistance that they're not able to sort of reach out to, especially people that don't have a lot of um, people that they know of within the, the, the HR or talent acquisition network or they don't know where to start. This is a great mm. first um, first introduction into them to say, oh, well, there's a forum now set up for you to reach out to experts um, within that field to ask for help, to ask for guidance. Um, so that's basically what we were aiming to do with the website. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think, um, you know, I never, when I was in corporate world, I never knew that that service, I mean, it's ironic that that's what I do now, but I never knew that that service existed so i would always go to my friend or and say what do you think of my cv and they're like yeah great you know? <laughs> not knowing that it wasn't so and so how can people with that how do they get a hold of you for that kind of advice do they reach out on linkedin or so um, another so one on jobsforaustralia.com website when you actually yeah. log in there there's a button that says i'm a job seeker so once they do it's it's basically like going through and applying for a job um so it's yeah. very similar set out because we're using a tracking system um, and that way when they do apply they've given us their you know a copy of their CV or and there's some screening questions in there asking what sort of assistance would they like so that helps me assign them better to awards the yeah. the better experts in the back end so basically yeah. the questions in there asking them you know what sort of assistance would you need um, you know do you need help with your CV? Do you need help with interviewing skills? Do you need coaching advice? Um, so there's a few of those screening questions we've added in there. So once we do have them applied um, in the back end, I sort of match them up with all of our, we've got a very large, very supportive group of volunteers that have lent mm. their time and their expertise in the back end. So um, it's a matter of just matching them up towards those people. And mm. their general process is we reach out, we ask them, um, you know, their pointers, you know, if they've sent through a CV and they've said, indicated that they need help with it, one of our volunteers will actually reach out to them and set up a 30-minute either a video session or a phone session and talk them through how they can improve um, on those 
items that they've they've mm. picked or chosen, and also um, you know give them time to ask questions. So you know other questions that they might have in terms of you know if they've got questions around interviewing skills, um, if they've got questions that they wanted to ask any recruiter or HR professional that they've not had a chance to before, this is definitely the forum to do it in. So there is that one-on-one -on -one, um, sort of coaching session that we do set up initially, but we're now also trying to set up one-to-many. So we had a workshop today that was based on CV writing. Mm. And then next Monday, we've got personal branding slash LinkedIn tips. So every week we're trying to roll out a webinar that they can log into um, and ask the experts that way. Yeah, fantastic. So you would have seen a lot of CVs in your time in recruitment and talent. Um, what makes a CV stand out to you? What would make you instantly or pretty quickly want to um, interview people? And the other question is how long do you actually spend? Because I've heard that time varies from like six seconds to 30 seconds to a minute or so. But, yeah, so what, what, what makes a CV stand out from your perspective? I've read all the stats, like you mentioned, every yeah. stat out there of, you know, recruiters only look at your CV for 30 seconds or make it shorter, make it longer, put more detail. Mm. And to be honest, and I can't speak to the, the rest of my TA colleagues, but I think they'll agree when I say it really depends on the role that you're applying for. So obviously, if you're going for a senior role, um, you would need to have that level of detail in there. So mm. um, if you're going for a product role, if you're going for a marketing role, your CV does change depending on the roles that you're applying for. So mm. in terms of what I look for a CV, it will differ every time depending on the role. So if I'm looking for somebody that's applying for a very creative or marketing role, a lot of people do send in very, you know, they, they get creative with their CVs. They put in mm. lots of, um, you know, details like pictures or infographics in there to make their CV stand out. And that comes with the industry. Whereas mm. you wouldn't really expect a CV with pictures or infographics on there to come from a CFO level or mm. a CEO type of level or very senior level. So I think it really does depend on the role. And mm. the way that I review CVs is also very role dependent. So depending mm. on what I what the conversations that I've had with the hiring managers um, and the brief that they've given me in terms of I these are the top three things or the top five things I'm looking for. I'll use mm. those as a prerequisite when I'm screening through CVs. So sometimes it does take longer than 30 seconds mm. um, and it's really looking for those keywords that are applicable to that job. Yeah. I don't think people, I'm, I'm wondering sometimes just as, as you're speaking whether people, because people do see the title talent acquisition on LinkedIn, but I wonder whether people really understand what that role is so maybe if you can give people an understanding of if you see somebody on LinkedIn that's got the title talent acquisition what they would typically be doing within an organization yeah sure so that is one of the the big things in the industry because obviously different roles have different titles and mm. it is very confusing um, my understanding of talent acquisition and this is based on the, the past um, six roles that I've been in talent acquisition is not just recruitment so mm. it is looking at that whole piece of how do you brand the company? Um, so we, we wear a couple of different hats. So there's the sales, the the branding, the how to write a job ad, um, the screening, the CV, but also working internally to look at career progression, to look at um, how that, that person that you brought in, how to retain them, 
but also mm. how to help them with their career progression onwards. So it's not just, I think it differs in, in recruitment, um, recruitment mm. versus talent acquisition in that recruitment is very much a let's place the person in the job and that's where mm. your job ends, whereas talent acquisition goes further than that, especially mm. in internal roles. Um, we're not looking at agency, but very much within internal roles, it is looking at now that you've brought the person in, there's more touch points. There's the onboarding piece. How do you onboard them really well? How do you look at the candidate experience part of it? Mm. Uh, you know, touching base with them six months down the track for when you see them within a workplace, asking how they're settling in and going. But it's more of that long-term piece mm. for me, which is talent acquisition rather than just recruitment is just one subcategory of talent acquisition. And mm. that's, how I, that's how I perceive it or see it. Mm. So it's really integral in terms of finding the right the right people with the, aligning yes. that with the strategy of the company, the right Definitely. tools to attract, but then that ongoing experience of the candidate mm. or the person that's been successful and through it, the and company. And like you mentioned, it is very much finding that right fit for, because you do know the teams that you're working with, you know the hiring yeah. manager, so it's finding the right person that will fit into the team but also provide, you know, the, the skills or the experience or the expertise that's lacking within that team. So it's trying yeah. to fill that gap that's within that team. Mm. Just one other question, because I get this a lot from people that I work with. Um, if you wanted to apply for, like, approach a company to work for them directly, um, is the talent team the right place to start or is or should you start with somebody that you might potentially be reporting to um, if you wanted to pitch you know, your skills directly to that company? It's a bit of a mixed bag. I've done a bit of both myself. Yeah. Um, I have reached out to people that would potentially be the hiring manager um, mm. because they, at the end of the day, would know if there's a, a vacancy coming up within their team. Um, but on the other hand, it would make sense to reach out to the recruiter as well because they mm. will be the person, they will be the first person that you deal with to get through the screening, to get through the first few rounds before you even meet the hiring manager. So it's well worth mm. reaching out to both, I think. Mm. Um, and sometimes it might be the same person. Depending yeah. on the size of the company, on the size of the role, it might be the same person at the end of the day. But it's well worth reaching out to both, um, especially if you know somebody within a company, reach mm. out to them because I find that internal referrals are probably valued a lot more mm. than, you know, um, going out there and just job searching yeah, I was reading some big data that was put out by some of the applicant tracking systems companies and saying that a referral is, is 10 times more likely to be successful oh, compared to you know, just applying on Seek or to a job board or so forth, which is really interesting, I think. So yeah. a lot of companies I know the systems. It, it makes sense because obviously the person that's referring to you, that's referring you into that company, they're also putting their reputation and their mm. name on the line to be able to refer you. So you wouldn't get, um, you know, just anyone referring anybody else. They would, if, if it's dependent on that person, they would be giving you quality per, uh, referrals yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, you come with their brand in a way too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Nash, are we getting any questions? Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Pavi. We do have uh, a question, but before that, I wanted to taste a theory with you. You know, it's a it's a it's, it's a theory that we all we all career practitioners drill onto yes. job seekers' head. 
you know, way of, uh, you know, kind of scaring them that you need to look at hidden job market. Okay. Three quarters of the jobs are unadvertised in the market. You know, they are filled through networking or internal referrals, you know, direct approach. Tell me, is it, you know, from where you are sitting, have you, you know, also not advertised roles and have you just went through your in, informal network on LinkedIn and really, you know, tapped on people's shoulders and said, do you want to work with us? Or do you always, uh, you know, you know, go and approach a recruitment agency or, or put the job on sick? We really wanted to understand because, you know, you know, I, I think, you know, if you if you from a talent acquisition point of view, if you bust this myth in either way, that will help us, uh, you know, significantly. Yeah, definitely. And to answer your question, like it, it touches on the previous point. Um, referrals are a huge thing. If you can get a referral, you're less likely to go out and advertise a role because at the end of the day, it does cost the company money to advertise and go through all those forums. So. Um, with a lot of my roles, I do reach out to my networks or my community first um, to ask if there is anyone that they know of that would be great for a role. So, uh, and I know a lot of other talent acquisition and recruitment people, they do do that. So definitely networking is, is very important because you will find out about more roles. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of roles that get filled without even being advertised because they're going through referrals or because they've met XYZ person at a networking event that they spoke to and they connected with and they thought that was great and they would keep them in the pipelines. So they create pipelines. So when you do go to networking events, definitely introduce yourself to people, get, um, you know, get out there. I was always very shy. I didn't really, you know, I was not a very confident person at all, but it really, stepping into talent acquisition really pushed me in that sense in terms of getting myself out there, talking to people, getting yourself known and talking about, you know, the experience that you've had, even in networking circles, because a lot of people do tend to say, oh, look, I remember, you know, this person, oh, I remember speaking to Pavi, she would be great for um, your role. Um, when they are talking to other people, they might mention your name and, mm. you know, you might be reached out that way. So definitely go to networking meetups. There's a lot of meetups now that people run ad hoc there's um apps called meetup.com that you know that there's lots of things depending on what you're interested in there's project management meetups there's um user experience meetups so there's always mm. some sort of meetup or networking event happening so definitely get yourself out there get you know meet more people because they will either refer you or they'll reach out to you that when you've met them at these um, places because they've had that personal connection with you as well mm rather than just a, a reach out on LinkedIn. And a lot of people, and I think a lot of people make that mistake of just sending a LinkedIn connect without mm. actually writing a few lines. It gives you the option to make it a bit more, more personal. Um, mm. And I know a lot of people don't accept LinkedIn connections because it's just a, oh, I don't actually know why you're connecting with me or make it make it personal. Add that little bit of, you mm. know, bit of your background, bit of your story in there to make that personal connection. So it works mm. both ways as well. Yeah, I always say that to people. Um, I've, I've got a group of people that I take through a, a challenge to reach out to people on LinkedIn and create um, informational interviews. Mm -hmm. And although we found that like 60% of people would say yes to a connection if um, there was no note, everyone felt more comfortable actually with somebody that you don't know explaining what you find interesting and why you might want to connect with them. So 
um, as well as having something in your profile that's, you know, you look like a decent and professional human being, that's basically. Cool. <laughs> some serial killer from somewhere. <laughs> and yeah. it gives that background into them as well, into why you've connected with that person. Mm. Um, and if you're not, you know, comfortable with connecting with someone straight away, you have the option to follow them as well. So mm. that's another sort of um, tip that I give people is you can always start following someone and see what types of things that they're sharing or posting mm. or articles and you can always comment and start the conversation that way and then connect with them so that you've mm. created that little bit of rapport also that they know yeah. that you're interested in their work or their articles yeah that makes sense yeah i hope that answers your question Nisha. <laughs> yeah no no it does it does you know you know in, and i feel that uh, you know in fact i found my second job in australia was through a direct contact and I'm, I'm really, I just called the employer and, you know, spoke to the general manager, eventually put me in touch with the HR and, uh, you know, I landed a job uh, which was a much higher, high paying job than the previous one that I held. So on, on the same lines, if I can sort of, you know, ask you a similar but a different flavor question around the direct approach. So let's say that somebody, you know, as of now, people are right now looking for work. And let's say that, you know, they've identified company, you know, X company they've identified, right? And they want to approach the company directly. I am of an opinion and also KB as well, you know, that we should approach who would be our potential boss rather than to go through a HR. Because sometimes HR do not make those decisions around uh, you know, the technical competency and everything else. So what are your kind of pet peeves about somebody approaching people? And if, if you can also share if people approached you, you know, directly for work and if there is any creative approach or anything which really stood out for you when somebody approached, uh, you know, you directly, you know, I really want to hear, you know, those examples, Pavi. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when people approach me, like I mentioned before, is making that personal um, message or adding that personal message within LinkedIn. Um, because as you can imagine, if I post a job ad, I do get so many people, like sometimes it's, you know, 50, 60 people all trying to, you know, want, wanting a bit of my time or trying to connect with me. And I can't get to all of them, to be very honest. I can't get to everybody all the time. Um, and that's the same goes for a lot of my colleagues as well. They will have have an inundation of people trying to connect with them. So having that, that a couple of lines in there of why you're trying to make that connection, what is it about um, that connection that you're wanting to get out of that relationship? You know, it has to work both ways. So definitely that is one of my biggest um, key points is if you just go through and that's just me just going through and just adding people, it doesn't mean anything to them at the end of the day. It doesn't, uh, I, I can't, mind read somebody that's that's come through and tried to add me on linkedin so definitely adding that personal message it makes a difference because then when you're reading through it you're like oh okay this person is interested in so and so role or they're interested in connecting or sometimes they might say um can you please connect me to the best person in your company for a project management role and that way i know that they've made an effort to um find out who would be the right person because sometimes hr or talent acquisition is not always the right person. The hiring manager is going to know what's happening in their team real time. They, they would know if they had the budget to bring on an extra headcount. They would know, um, you know, if 
they they have somebody leading their team or if there's any vacancies coming up soon. So they're the first point of call and then they let talent acquisition know. So, um, you know, even personalising message to say, look, uh, you might not be the right person, but could you connect me to someone in XYZ company because I have a passion for the company or I'm, I've been interested in it. And a lot of those type of messages are the ones that you feel are worthy of passing along as well. So definitely showing interest in that company or saying, why have you connected with that company? Mm. What is it that you want? Um, why is it that you want to work for that company, especially? So that shows where your passion or your, your enthusiasm is coming from as well, rather than just sending a, a blanket, just copy paste. And, and that's the thing. We've seen so many things come through. We know when something's being copy pasted. So make it personal, spend that little bit of time. You know, if you're, if this is what, role that you really want to get into or if this is the company you really want to get into you need to make it shown because we know when things have been copy pasted and that goes the you know the same for cvs and cover letters you know there's people that are like you know let me just copy paste something but they they've left out you know the, the company name from your previous application or the application that they've written up is actually not relevant to the job they've applied mm -hmm. for so those are already, you know, black marks. As soon as we read that, we're like, okay, well, this person hasn't even taken the time to um, at, attach a CV that's relevant for this role. So all of mm. those sort of little tips and tricks, that's, um, it's what we look for when we're screening as well. It's funny, um, you know, when I used to work in recruitment, you can always tell when somebody, you can, for whatever reason, tell the copy and paste because it's not quite <laughs> reflecting back the language or the criteria or something there's just something a bit a bit yeah. off or and there's a mission statement that's different or yeah most jobs nowadays have the requirements listed in mm. there so they, mm. these are what they're looking for so even if you tick off you know you don't have to tick off every single requirement but even if you've ticked off seven out of the eight put that into your cover letter of you mm. know i i think i would suit this role or i think i would have the right skills for this role because of X, Y, Z. So mm. even little things like that, that's personalising your cover letter towards the mm. job ad. Can I ask you that question? Because Nesh and I were talking cover letters the other day and do you, do people really read them? <laughs> There's a lot of debate about should I yeah. put in a cover letter, should I not? Um, mm. A lot of companies now specify if they want a cover letter or not. So they'll say cover, net, cover letter necessary or cover letter not necessary. I'm mm. pretty old school. I just add in a cover letter anyway because I feel like that gives you the opportunity to talk about a little bit more about your story rather than I look at the CV as what you've done and it's more mm. facts, whereas your cover letter gives you the opportunity to add in a little bit more of your personal flavour mm. um, and to talk about how you would be suitable for that role or the experiences or expertise that you want to highlight especially so even if it's two paragraphs two small paragraphs it's it's an opportunity to talk about you and add a bit more flavor into mm. it whereas your cv is more of the the facts the you know their dates their facts their things that you've achieved things you've mm. done um and the cover letter is your opportunity to tell a story yeah it's drawing the arguments yeah. together and yeah. a bit of the why the you know the yes. job appeals and yeah but yeah it's funny that because now saying if they want a cover letter or not i know a yeah. lot of government and education roles they make it very specific on there that mm. they require a cover letter and they you have to answer their um you know requirements in there as mm. well specifically for their 
requirements. So if you do read through the job ad, it will tell you if it's required mm. or not. Um, and for the ones that don't specify, I usually just add it in. Mm. That makes sense. Now she look like you're busy reading questions. <laughs> Uh, no, I actually had to restart my phone. It, uh, okay. So that's why. But, but I think, I, you know, um, I, I, what I wanted to uh, also ask about interviews, because that's, uh, you know, when a recruiter sees uh, the interview, it's, you know, viewed very differently. But when you are sitting in, in there, you worked in the company, you know a bit more about the the culture, uh, you know, a bit more about, you know, what the hiring manager would be looking at. What are your expectations when the, you know, from talent acquisition specialist point of view, somebody who sits in the organization and then recruit, what are your observation about what do you, how do you want the job seeker to prepare themselves? I think there's a lot of information out there. Like if you Google you know, behavioral interviews, um, you'll get every question possible that you could think of. Um, preparation is key. Even if it's like, I still do that myself. I will sometimes forget. And in the, you know, the heat of the moment, if you're nervous, if you're, you know, um, worried about things, it's always good to write those examples down as well. So I always take a book in with me with, um, you know, just jump starters that I've written down. So generic questions that I've seen on the internet or that I know of that might come up, I will write down a few examples for those, because if you've done a few interviews, you know that the, the general questions that will come up. Um, so I do write down and you know, that's something I think a lot of people worry about is, oh, should I, you know, take in um, things with me? Should I take in notes with me to an interview? Um, and they get so flustered about it. But I welcome that. And I say, mm. take in notes with you. It doesn't matter. And don't feel afraid to ask um, either the hiring manager or the person that's interviewing you to, you know, ask them for a few minutes. If you're stuck, if you're thinking about something, just say, oh, just give me a few minutes. And I find a lot of people that do well in interviews are the ones that will take time, even if they say, oh, can you give me a second while I think about the question? Um, mm. And then they take that time, process it, think about the question, and they're able to, um, you know, elaborate on the answer a lot better than somebody that's very nervous and they're just thinking on the on the spot. Some people are good at it. Some people are not so good at it. So take in notes if you need to. Um, another thing is don't be afraid to ask questions at the end and I find a lot of the better interviews are the ones that have researched the company or researched um, things about the hiring manager themselves, their background. So they're able to ask a few more questions that are role related or specific to the role that they're, they're interviewing for. So definitely ask those questions because that does show your enthusiasm. That shows that you've made the effort to research about the company or research about the hiring manager themselves. So all of those little things, it makes a difference from where we're sitting on the other side of the table in terms of our impressions about the candidate. What's a great question that someone could ask about a job? Um, I think the biggest one is what does the role entail on a day-to-day -day basis? Because yeah. You know, it, it might be very different to how they describe it. They want to make it shiny. They want to make it sound mm. exciting. But, you know, what, what was the person in the role doing on a day-to-day -day basis before mm. this? But if it was a, um, if it's replacing someone, what was the previous incumbent doing? Um, mm. And I like asking that because I, I, I definitely think that gives you an idea of what that person was doing, what mm. their expectations are. 
So what the hiring manager's expectations are, how they define success. So in the first six to 12 months, how would you um, define uh, success for me within this role? How would you mm. see me within this role? Um, and what would be your performance indicators? And that gives you an idea of what the company's expectations is, but also it, it makes you think about, are you the best person for this job? Because it's a, it's a two-way thing. And I think a lot of people get worried that, oh, we're going into an interview. We can't really ask a lot of questions like this or, you know, little controversial type of questions. But it's a two-way street. You're also interviewing the people that are there about mm -hmm. your suitability for the role. So if, you're, if you don't feel like you're gelling with the culture or the way that they're talking about the role or the role itself, then it's not the role right for uh, right role for you. So it's mm. a two-way street. It's you're interviewing the company just as much as the company is interviewing you. Mm. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that while they're, you know, they're, they're, they're focused on, you know, I need to do really well in this interview or, or I really need this role. But at the end of the day, you're also interviewing that person mm. because yeah, that I think person people do tend to potentially be your manager. Yeah. People do tend to forget that it's a matching process. It's not to yes. trick you. Like a good a good interview in a reputable company with a decent human being is about a matching process. It's not there to trip you up and exactly. make you look like an idiot or a fool or no. whatever. It's about and are and you... Not, at the end, yeah. end of the day, it's for them to get to know you better. So yeah. why would you not want to ask questions to get to know them better? Mm. It, it's like going on a date, basically. You're mm. both trying to find out as much information about yourself to see if you actually will work together. <laughs> yeah. So is this relationship yeah. going to work long-term or not? Yeah, exactly. It's such a great question around um, what will I be doing every day? And it seems like an obvious question, but I think sometimes, like I know when I used to write ads, I used to make them try to make them sound really exciting, you know. <laughs> sometimes the job was just the job. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and sometimes we, yeah, we, a lot of language that we use is very general as well. It doesn't really paint that that picture of exactly um, what you might be doing. So, yeah, it is a Especially if you're going into like a high volume role, for example, I've had mm. people ask, you know, what, what does it this role entail on a day-to-day -day basis? And until you ask that question, the hiring manager isn't going to tell you, oh, you've got to look through 300 emails or you have to make 200 calls. <laughs> you know, you don't get that level of out of a job ad unless you yeah. actually ask those questions yeah yeah so. another question is around salary negotiation or salary expectation i i you know i've not found a credible uh you know place to really see you know about salaries of different vocations you know mm -hmm. i think uh you know i think robert half used to produce a, a yeah. salary report a while back uh, but that was the only thing that I saw. So somebody who does not have, you know, a lot of, lot of background information of a particular salary for a particular role, how do they go about? And, you know, an, another theory of mine is to, is to look at SEEK and put, let's say, if you're applying for a business analyst role, you know, you know, put, you know, kind of find out from various filters of the yes. salary range. And that's the only way. That's the only way that I can see that people can yeah. can kind of come about a roundabout figure. But what are your thoughts on understanding that aspect? And also, secondly, the salary negotiation tactics that mm -hmm. you know that the the job seeker should be aware of when they are negotiating the salary. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. This is a very messy question um, because it does, it, it's a question that we both face internally within a company as well um, because it does differ, um, differ from company to company. Um, and a lot of the roles that we, you know, we as a talent community, um, we try to network with each other and say, look, what, what are you um, paying for your roles? Because we're trying to manage it within our company as well. So a lot of companies are trying to standardize that, but it, it will depend on obviously the industry that you're coming from, um, the industry that you're going to as well. Um, some industries obviously pay a lot more, like tech industries, mining, um, they tend to pay a lot more generally because they're also making a lot more money and their expectations are higher of you within that role. Um, but a lot of things, th there's a lot of white papers out there that you mentioned. Robert Half does, you know, send out. Um, I don't know if they still do the salary um, general market industry um, things. Uh, who else is there? There's Hayes, Mercer. Um, there's a few other companies that if you get in touch with them, they do have that, um, especially recruitment agencies. I think that would be a good place to start because they would give you an indication because they work with a lot of those roles. They would um, be able to give you an indication of what's out there um, for your role and also what the average salary price is. Um, another good one is, where else would you look? The SEEK is definitely um, another that I would give to people is looking at if you're typing in say for example business analyst role and looking at what the salary filters are a lot of people don't advertise it and that's also a very controversial subject is do we advertise salaries or not um, but those filters definitely do help at least giving you a range um, and you, you know a lot of companies are working towards trying to you know standardize a little bit of that um, but that is very much dependent on the budget for the role, the team budget, but each department has their own budget that they work towards as well. So they might yeah. only have um, a certain X, Y, Z budget to work within. Um, so there's a lot of different factors. So it's going to be different. It is going to yeah. be different depending on which, um, but which role you're going for. But if you're working within a certain industry, you would know, especially if you've got peers and colleagues in other companies that are doing very similar roles to you, Glassdoor is another really good um, mm. avenue for that sort of thing. Um, so in Glassdoor, when you log in, it does give you median or um, average salaries for specific roles, especially for company profiles. So if you go into the company that you're going in, um, that you're interviewing for, that you're interested in, if you log in, um, and this is very much dependent on Glassdoor creating an account and you having to input some of your information, you'll be able to see other people's information as well. So it's all anonymous and people have actually gone in there to say, look, I was working as a admin or I was working as a customer service rep in XYZ company. This was the salary in there. So there's some information there that you can leverage on as well. In terms of the other part of your question, negotiations are all, always a bit tough. Um, because you don't want to, you know, there's there's always that fear of, oh, I don't want to overshoot the salary expectation and throw myself out of the running for a certain role. Um, but there's no harm in actually asking when you're, you know, and I think this happens majority of the time when um, you get called in for a screening role, the, the first is a phone screen. Um, definitely ask the person that you're speaking to, ask the talent acquisition person or the HR mm. person. 
um, what is what are your salary expectations for the role? Because that will give you a real time, even if they're not able to give you an exact amount, they would be able to give you a range of sorts and that will give mm. you an indication of do you sit within that range or do you not? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Even if, if an advertisement doesn't have a salary on it, is that company policy? Is it that they uh, the salary is low or is no, it just... I think a lot of the time it is company policy and that's, yeah. um, it is very much dependent on companies advertising that or not. Um, mm. And it could differ because obviously, say for example, you've got, uh, let's take an example of a business analyst, a junior business analyst is not going to be paid the same as a senior business analyst. Mm. Uh, it's going to be very dependent on the experience of that person coming in as well um, and the experience that they had within their previous incumbent or the, the gap that they've left behind. So mm. they might have had somebody that was junior in that role before, but now they've had to increase the salary to find someone at more of a senior level so there's always behind the scenes you need to remember there's always something changing or um you know there, there's always something happening in the, the clockworks behind the scenes so they might not always advertise it uh, or be in a position to advertise a salary for that role so um you wouldn't be um insulted if somebody you know you had that screening discussion mm -hmm. and uh, yeah Somebody says, "Oh, do you mind if I ask what the range is like at the in that oh, upfront?" No, I ask that question all the time, so yeah. I do that for myself when I'm <laughs> and I'll ask them. Um, yeah, because there, there's no point in going through a whole interview process and yes. coming to the end yeah. and finding out that they can't meet your expectations or your expectations are outside of their range and they're just not able to, you mm. know, uh, pay you at that level. So definitely ask that upfront because that will, um, you know set you on a yes or no course mm. for that policy. yeah yeah so i definitely yeah. ask that anyway so <laughs> hi what's the salary before we talk <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't pick up the phone for less than you know <laughs> yeah if i can ask you around the, the another you know sort of question is uh phone screening candidates now I, you know, I feel that you know there is more to get a feel of the candidate. That is whether he or she can communicate confidently, whether he or she knows what job that they've applied for, and kind of not going into too much technical aspects, but more of, you know, feeling the interpersonal skills, the the ability to communicate confidently, uh, you know, and things like that. Is it accurate to what what talent acquisition specialists are really assessing candidates? when they look yeah, at phone screening them. Exactly what you've touched on, Naisha. In terms of all the points that you've touched on, that's definitely what they're looking for in that phone screen. Um, and then also other things like what are your career goals? Um, the job brief that we have with our hiring managers, like I mentioned before, there might be the top three things that they're looking for or the top five things. And we're trying to bring down, if we've got a list of you know, 60 or 70 candidates, they're not going to be able to interview all of those 60 or 70. So what we are aiming to do with the phone screen is try and shorten that list or bring it down to a manageable number. Um, so we definitely use the hiring managers, you know, checklist of this is what I want in my next person coming into this role. I need them to have these qualities or I need them to have these experience. So the, the phone screen is definitely looking to try and find more information about that person um, and to see if they actually have a lot of those skills because you'll find some people 
put a few skills on their CV, but doesn't really translate. They're not able to talk about it when we have that phone screen or they're not able to give us examples of it within that phone screen itself. So the phone screen is sort of that first round of culling or the shortlisting that we do from the applications. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, what are the things that, Lena, last question, what are the things that puts you off in someone, whether that's a, in a resume, whether that's in a phone interview or in personal, what are some of the things that you have you know, seen you must have seen uh, you know shocking things. But what are some of the some of the best highlights of your career? You know, when it comes to that. So if you can share, and you know, how should people avoid those things? Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing, or the, the worst thing that I've had, is disinterested people. So I've had phone screens where I've called them up about a job that they've applied to, and they've either forgotten about the role, or they're just sort of like, oh, oh yeah, just tell me about the role. Um, what was it again? You know, just run me through it. And they're, they're just very switched off. And you can pick that up in a phone screen. They're very switched off. They're not, um, they're not really interested in it at all. They've just gone through and just gone to seek and just gone apply, 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 apply for the next 10 roles and then see what comes of it. So that really does put, and I, and I think that's a lot for um, any talent acquisition or even a hiring manager in that position. They would feel very much like, oh, why should I waste time on this person if they're not really interested in this role at all? So I've had a few of those, surprisingly. Um, but definitely one that the, and, and I've been through this process myself where I've applied to quite a few roles, but I also try and track which roles that I've applied to. So if somebody does call me up, I can quickly bring it up and say, give me a second. Can you call me back in two minutes or five minutes and I, I can quickly refresh myself about a role because there will be times where companies are not able to get back to you straight away. They might come back to you a week after you applied or two weeks after you applied and you might not actually remember that role at all. So definitely keep a track of the roles you're applying to and the companies that you're applying to because if they do call you or when they do call you, at least you've got that in front of you and you can, you're not sort of Mm. unnecessarily cutting yourself out of the mix in that sense yeah that is yeah i i remember very quite a few people when i was doing recruiting just like why did you apply you, you like yeah. you have no idea that you're calling and, and then it was the like, question when you do ask exactly. them you know exactly. why apply for this role they yeah. i don't know like, oh i just applied because i was looking for jobs or i was right. like, not really that much you know, it doesn't yeah. really instill a lot of uh, motivation from our side to keep it going yeah. either. Yeah, that makes sense. Excellent. All right. So that brings us to uh, the end of this amazing uh, LinkedIn Live. Thank you very much, Pavi. You've been very generous, uh, you know, sharing, uh, you know, your insights, but also, you know, talking about the, the fantastic work that you guys have started, Jobs for Australia. So I think... There might be a link flashing on your LinkedIn screen right now. You can go check that out and, you know, make sure that you attend some of the workshops and, and the, you know, take advantage of this because this is a time, yeah, you know, for all of us to collectively come together and, and create something. You know, I don't think so anybody has, you know, any idea of what specific idea of what should be done. So thank you again, Pavi, and we wish you all the best. No worries. Not a problem. Oh, sorry, and I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> I was going to say definitely do check out jobsforaustralia.com because we I have spoken to a few people who have come to us saying, you know, I, I actually want to take this time to go on a different career path and mm. how do I go about it? So 
make use of us. You know, we're there, we've got the time. It's a free service as well. So you don't have to go out there and find a coaching service to help you with this, um, to pay for it or something. It's, um, it's there. We've got a whole host of HR and talent professionals who are just, you know, waiting to help you. So why not take advantage while you can and um, ask us questions. Definitely go on there, apply for, um, apply through the, the link below. And then, yeah, we're, we'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. Mm, that's such a such a great initiative. Um, thank yeah, thanks to Johnny's Pavi. It's been fantastic thank to you hear um, the insights that you've brought, and um, just a really good reinforcement for people to about you know how to apply for a job and what you look for and 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 that type of thing, um, rather than you know having to Google frantically and get a, a dozen different opinions, which happens all the time. So. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show in terms of getting a daily update, I'll put a link to um, where you can sign up and get an email with what we're up to because we bring you something different every day, which is fantastic. Um, that's basically it from me. Um, thank you very thank much you. for joining us. Yeah. All right. Before we go, just to let you know, tomorrow we are uh, going to talk, talk about an interesting topic. It's called video resumes or video CVs. So we got two people coming along. One is a video coach and another is somebody who has made an amazingly creative video resume. So we're going to have both the perspective. One is from somebody who does it and somebody who has, you know, actually, you know, coaching people. So we are going to have a fantastic conversation tomorrow. So do tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. Melbourne time. Um, until we see you tomorrow, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay indoors, everyone, please. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, See everyone. you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au. And if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.